off the endangered species list. Silent Spring and Rachel Carson improved the world for birds and people. KPFT Houston. Thank you, Doyle. Thank you for that dramatic lead-in. I don't know if I'm worthy of it, but I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, here on the, wow, the 27th of September, we are about to close out the third quarter of 2012. In my business, the financial business, everything runs in quarters, and that's pretty far along in 2012. Uh you know, the older I get, the the faster the years go, and they, re- they really are going quick. I hope you are having a great day out there, and I want to thank you for tuning in to us here at 90.1 FM KPFT here in Houston, Texas. The phone number, and I'll be taking your calls in just a bit, 713-526-5738, 526-KPFT. Uh, you know, I know you've heard the, the promos we've been running for our upcoming pledge drive and um you know i want to say uh pledge drive is not easy for everybody of course we'd rather have regular programming and we've had to go increasingly to more pledge drives over the years just because uh we've been in this economically uh depressed time and so it's been it's just been more difficult for nonprofits like us uh to fund ourselves it's been the case with you know, pick your pick your nonprofit, and they will tell you that that it's not it's not so simple. Uh, so that's. But what I want to say is, I I caught Democracy Now, and I've been catching Democracy Now much more regularly lately since I've been going to the. Um, I've been trying to get to the gym around eight fifteen. Uh, I get you know I, I help help do bre- I make breakfast for the kids. Hannah makes lunch for the kids. Hannah usually takes them to school. And so by the time I'm relieved of all that, I get to, I get to go to, I have to go to the gym. It's just harder and harder for me to do it in the evening, you know, cause then it's family time and then it's, then I'm tired and go to sleep. So, so I, on the way over, I listen to, to Democracy Now! And then I've got about three minutes in the, in the basement of the parking garage when my cell phone doesn't, uh, get the reception for the KPFT app. And by the way, if you don't have the KPFT app, you should get the KPFT app. I know it's available for iPhone because I have an iPhone. Do we also have it, Doyle, for uh, Android? I don't know because I got the, the iPhone. You got the too. iPhone app, yeah. so I don't. Maybe somebody can let us know. But if you have an iPhone, and so I have KPFT on my iPhone. If you are not listening, you can therefore listen to KPFT anywhere in the world that, that where you have a uh, cell signal or Wi-Fi. So for about three minutes, as I walk from the basement of the parking garage up out into the bright day, uh, bright light of the day i miss about three minutes but then i can do my treadmill and my other stretching with uh to democracy now and i have to tell you this morning show absolutely amazing it wasn't really a, a democracy now show uh so much the first half of it if you missed it was uh, a, a broadcast of bill moyers and companies 
upcoming show this weekend. Apparently, it's going to premiere about this thing I'd never heard of called Alec. It's this, it's this, I mean, just when you think you've heard it all, just when you think, okay, I've heard all about the lobbyists and I know they're in Washington now, this thing is going to just blow your mind. And at five o'clock tonight, you're going to be able to listen to the rebroadcast of it. And you're going to hear about from Bill Moyers, this, this, uh, this organization called ALEC that is that is essentially a lobbying firm but does not have to file papers or register itself as a lobbying firm. It's essentially a 501c3. And it and it its job is to take in money from frankly wealthy corporate supporters and and then to essentially lobby at the state level. Like here in Texas, like we need any more lobbying at the state level. You know, we pretty much have a monolithic single party uh, state legislature at this point. And and so so this is amazing. It's just it's amazing that this this thing called ALEC that draws in all these largely Republican, but not only also some Democrats, but mostly Republican state legislature leaders across the country to get uh Laws passed that ALEC is promulgating. Laws like no collective bargaining agreements and and um, gutting of environmental regulations and all this and all this all this is done through this nonprofit, right? And the, the they get to they get to take a tax deduction as well for for supporting this thing. Anyway, well worth your listening to. And then um, and then amazingly, uh, whether you agree with him or not, a half hour uh, talking about Julian Assange. And the the speech that he gave discussing American foreign policy uh, and and uh, the situation that he faces with WikiLeaks, he's holed up in the in the um, embassy in London, the Ecuadorian embassy, which has granted him asylum, and but he can't get out of there, you know, because he'll be arrested. The British have not agreed to convey him, give him safe passage uh, over to the country of Ecuador. He's in the he's in the embassy, and. Um, whether you agree you don't agree it's it's fascinating listening you're not going to hear it anywhere else and i just thought if it was the only thing we broadcast on this radio station just one hour in the morning of democracy now it would be worthy of your support just that just that one hour in the morning of of this information that you're not going to hear anywhere else about about this incredibly powerful uh lobbying group that has essentially control of all of the state legislators, not all, but many of the state legislators in our country. One of the people being interviewed said, you know, if you want to you want to change and make changes in America that, 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 that are going to go your way, you don't you don't drop it on the president. You 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 pump the money into the states, into the state legislature. That's where you take control of things. And that's exactly what this thing called ALEC does. Unfortunately, not so much for progressive, not at all for progressive causes. But this radio station is dedicated to bringing you information like that. This thing pr- produced by Moyers and Company. I assume it's going to be broadcast on uh, also PBS television stations this weekend. Bill Moyers doing amazing work. He has a very good relationship with Amy Goodman. And if that was the only show that you heard, and again, you can hear it tonight, again, the rebroadcast of Democracy Now! at 5 p.m. If that was the only show that you heard on this radio station, it would still be worth your support. Just that, just the one hour. Think about back in the days of, total- of the totalitarian Soviet Union when uh, uh, you had Czechoslovakia, right? You had these, these Czechosl- Czechoslovakian radio stations, these pirate radio stations, you know, and in, in, in Hungary. These places that were under the heel of this totalitarian uh, country, you know, and they would broadcast for a couple hours a day. And that was it. You know, before they get taken off the air, they had to shut down and um, think about the impact that those radio stations had in changing those societies and bringing information behind the Iron Curtain that people didn't have access to. And we are here 24 hours a day. It's not just the one hour a day of democracy now. That alone would be worth your support. So I want you all to think about that as we as we go to another pledge drive 
please understand it's just what we what we have to do and we are putting out information on a round the clock 24 hour basis now on multiple channels and digital stuff that's why I tell go get the app you should download the app from the uh the what is it called the uh, app store and if you're a KPFT listener you should have that app on your on your phone uh, i don't know about the android thing uh, hopefully doyle's going to see if he can figure that out but so there i was uh and, and have been daily trying to get my exercise with my earbuds in and tuned into democracy democracy now maybe your favorite show may not be you may have other favorite shows hope i hope you i hope you like this show i get that feedback fairly regularly people like it yeah great so uh so please keep that in mind as we approach pledge drive and and prepare yourselves not with an attitude of oh god here they go again raising we got to do it we just have to do it we got to pay some bills and so i ask that everybody just just take a deep breath and say okay this is part of what we have to do to support this kind of information for us to get democracy now on daily for us to get new capital show for us to get Wally James and Company, a progressive forum, all the amazing shows that come on a Thursday night. It's just terrific. Um, uh, for us to get Generation Radio and to get that kind of music that you don't hear anywhere else, it's just what we got to do right now. Of course, we work to diversify our income streams. We're talking about that all the time. We will continue to talk about that, how to do that in a way that is integral to KPFT. Uh, but you know, in the meantime, it's just something we've got to do. So I ask that everybody have a good attitude, approach it with how can I help, what can I do, what am I able to do that's comfortable for me and uh, and is helpful. Because i got to tell you, I, I, <laughs> listening to Democracy Now! this morning, I just thought, gosh, everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to hear about this thing called ALEC. And, uh, what does ALEC stand for? I forgot. Okay. The Association of Legislating, uh, you know. I think Johnny knows a little bit about it. He's Johnny may know. I, I forgot. Smart Alec. I don't know. Whatever. But but essentially, it's it's just it's one more way. And and of course, people push the laws of this country as far as they can take them. I was at a lunch meeting today. Of. I live a weird life, people, because I got to tell you, you know, here I am at KBFT, and in the middle of the day, I'm there with a bunch of rich people talking about how to avoid taxes through charitable contributions. It's it's just it's it's weird for me. I do the best I can, but you know, here I am sitting there thinking, people giving you their charities, and of course, here KPFT is its own charity, but uh, so much of the charitable game is how to deprive the government of taxes, right? Because they don't want the government to do good things. They want they want to be able to put it in their own names. Whatever. Look, as long as people are doing good things, who am I to complain? Seven one three five two six five seven three eight. Uh, I don't know. The phones are already starting to fill up. Let me just mention a couple of. Uh, let me mention a couple of editorials that I really liked and that caught my eye. Here it is. Uh, Doyle says it's the American Legislative Exchange Council, right? So, so the the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, which you can again hear about at five o'clock today, all about it on the rebroadcast of Democracy Now. It's about exchanging ideas about what kind of legislation. Uh, we can put through. That's exactly what it is here in America. It's the American Legislative Exchange Council. We can exchange all kinds of good ideas over drinks and uh, and steak dinners in in Vegas and New Orleans, attended by largely Republican conservative legislators. Literally, I mean, you can take probably half of the Texas legislature goes to this annual conference, and they get told by the guys in uh, wisconsin hey this is what we're working on now we're working on banning collective bargaining and we're working on getting rid of environmental regulations and you guys should try it out there in texas too and so that's that's the exchange that happens to to give everybody these great ideas about how to and um and they don't have to disclose it unlike other lobbying unlike other lobbying they don't have to disclose it because it's a charitable organization the, the, the ALEC organization. Yeah, Doyle, go ahead. Okay, so its website says, Nonpartisan Individual Membership Organization of State Legislatures Which Favors Federalism and Conservative Public Policy Solutions. Federalism and Conservatism. Yeah, but it's nonpartisan. Yeah, anyway. 
Um, so here we are. We're approaching a- an election. Very interesting time uh, in American politics, certainly in the presidential election and the federal elections. I personally feel that the best thing any of us can do, of course, we need to vote. But the way we live our lives on a daily basis is so very important. The products that we buy, the investments that we make, the, the words that we say, the uh, the love that we give to others, the, 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 the kindnesses and the information that we listen to and read, uh, all these things are so important and critical to, to progress. But, you know, elections have a way of galvanizing all of these things into a very compact, short amount of time unlike any other thing and so so here we are paul krugman uh who has who has been on this show it's been a long time and uh he has certainly grown in the public awareness public consciousness since his last appearance on new new capital show which was i don't know during the bush years i want to say around 2007 a very interesting article he's written called disdain for workers he says by now everyone knows how mitt romney speaking to donors in Boca Raton, Florida, washed his hands of almost half the country, the 47% who don't pay income taxes. Uh, When he declared that my job, this is Mitt Romney talking, my job is not to worry about those people. I'll never convince them that they should take personal responsibility and care for their lives. And it's that second sentence that, that, that blew me away, that, that, that he sees it as his job to convince people to take personal responsibility and care for their lives. It it does sound something out of an Ayn Rand novel, out of the Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged, these heroic people uh, having to put up with these masses of, of, of irresponsible, uncaring people. They don't even care for their own lives. That's how Mitt Romney sees it, uh, that these people don't care. Anyway, so by now also many people are aware that the great bulk of the 47% are hardly moochers. Many, most, are working families who pay payroll taxes. And elderly or disabled Americans make up a majority of the rest. And remember, people pay a variety of taxes. Uh, The income tax is not the only tax that, that that we have. There are state taxes. There are property taxes if you own a home. There are property taxes if you own a business. My business is a is a desk-based business, and I have furniture, and I have an office, and I pay taxes to the county for the furniture in my office. Did you know that? It's called it's called personal. Uh, what's it called? Personal personal business taxes or something like that. Personal property tax, personal property business taxes. Yeah, I pay taxes every year on the computers and the furniture and the and the couch in my in my office. Amazing, uh, but I do it. I write the tax. You know, if you want, I uh, write the check. If you if you if you want county services, then you write the check. There's sales taxes, etc. So uh, Krugman goes on to say, he says, but here's a question: Should we imagine that? Mitt Romney and his party would think better of the 47% on learning that the great majority of them actually are or were hard workers who very much have taken responsibility, personal responsibility for their lives. Let me make sure you understand that question again or that you heard it. It's a very, very important question that Paul Krugman is asking. He says... Should we imagine that Mr. Romney and his party would think better of the 47% if we thought that they had been hard workers when they worked? Or they are hard workers. And they are people who take personal responsibility for their lives. Would they get off their cases and think better of them? Krugman says, I don't think so. He says, for the fact is that the modern Republican Party just does not have much respect for people who work for other people no matter how faithfully and well they do their jobs. All the party's affection is reserved for, quote, job creators, unquote, a.k.a. employers and investors. Right? All these investors are job job creators, right? I mean, somebody's got a, a large 
investment account. They're a job creator. Leading figures in the party find it hard even to pretend to have any regard for ordinary working families who, it goes without saying, make up the vast majority of Americans. Am I exaggerating, asked Paul Krugman. He says, consider the Twitter message sent out by Eric Cantor, the Republican House Majority Leader, on Labor Day. A holiday that specifically celebrates America's workers. Here is what this tweet said in its entirety. And this is Eric Cantor tweeting on Labor Day. Today. We celebrate those who have taken a risk, worked hard, built a business, and earned their own success. That's what he said. That's what he tweeted. Yes, on a day set aside to honor workers, all Mr. Cantor could bring himself to do was praise their bosses. (laughs) lest you think that this was just a personal slip consider mr romney's acceptance speech at the republican national convention what did he have to say about american workers actually nothing the words worker or workers never passed his lips think about that at the republican national convention Mitt Romney never uttered the word worker. This was in contrast to President Obama during the during the Democratic Convention, which put quite a lot of emphasis on workers, especially and of course not only the workers who benefited from the auto bailout. And when Mr. Romney waxed rhapsodic about the opportunities America offered to immigrants, he declared that they came in pursuit of, quote, freedom to build a business. What about those who came here not to found businesses, but simply to make an honest living? Not worth mentioning. That's Paul Krugman's article, Disdain for Workers, and he's making the case... I think pretty importantly that Mr. Romney is finding himself in difficulty in places like Ohio. And the polls are now showing that he is in deep trouble in places like Ohio because of exactly what Paul Krugman is saying. This party seems to have become a party that doesn't care about workers only about employers and investors, but not workers. And he is now having, in the final days of this campaign, to convince people, even after the word worker doesn't cross his lips during the Republican National Convention, that he cares about workers. Can he do it? I don't know. I guess, you know, stranger things have happened. It may happen. Maybe Mitt Romney will convince all the workers in Ohio and what are the other swing? Florida and Wisconsin and so on, all these swing states. We don't count here in Texas because we're firmly in the red, right? And So these elections for the president play out in these swing states. But, but apparently Mitt Romney's going to do his best to convince workers that he's, he's on their side. Um, this is followed up by... Another New York Times columnist, a fine one, from the conservative side, David Brooks, who is considered to be a a, a moderate Republican, a liberal Republican, whatever. This is from uh, three days ago. He has an article called The Conservative Mind, an op-ed. And it's this is kind of a – the reason I'm bringing this out – we're going to take calls in a second. But the reason I'm bringing this out is it's kind of a bookend to the Krugman piece. David Brooks, who has in recent articles really been wrestling with what's going on with the Romney campaign and with with what's going on with the Republican Party. And and frankly, if they lose this election, they're going to have to do some soul searching. If 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 possible, but we'll see. 
David Brooks uh, writes the following. He says, when I joined the staff of the National Review, which is a conservative um, opinion journal, when he joined the staff as a lowly associate in 1984, the magazine and the conservative movement itself was a fusion of two different mentalities. I don't know. Maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. But listen, he's in a better position to state what the conservative movement was about than I am. And he says it was about two different mentalities. On one side, there were the economic conservatives. These were people that anybody following contemporary Republican politics would be familiar with, right? We know about the economic conservatives. I think I'm an economic conservative. I think I'm the true economic conservative. Because I'm interested in conserving capital and only putting capital at risk when we see that all costs, all capital costs have been tallied and that we can project as best as is possible, as honestly as possible, that when we put that capital to work, we expect that there's going to be a return, a fair return, in excess of all those capital costs. That's what I think a conservative is. Everything that I've learned about capital and conservative use of capital says that is what the definition of conservative use of capital is. But but we know what an economic conservative is these days. It's, you know, the government's bad and the free market is good. Regardless of the fact that that is just to me meaning it's a meaning they're meaningless statements. Absent many many more details that we would have to pin down to actually get to something meaningful. But leaving that aside, this is what David Brooks says about economic conservatives, he says we would all recognize that. They spent a lot of time worrying about the way government intrudes upon economic liberty. They upheld freedom as their highest political value. Like, none of us are about freedom. <laughs> no one else likes freedom except for this group. They admired risk takers. I admire risk takers. I admire people who take conscious risks, who take intelligent risks, who take calculated risks. Not just wild risks. Anyway, Brooks goes on. They worried that excessive government would create a sclerotic nation with a dependent populace. And of course, we heard that echoed in Mitt Romney's remarks in Boca Raton. But there was another sort of conservative. So this is the second type of conservative that David Brooks is highlighting. He says these would be less familiar to us now. We don't hear so much about them. This was the traditional conservative, intellectual heir to Edmund Burke, Russell Kirk, Clinton Rossiter, and Catholic social teaching. This sort of conservative did not see society as a battleground between government and the private sector. Instead, the traditionalist wanted to preserve a society that functioned as a harmonious ecosystem. in which the different layers were nestled upon each other, individual, family, company, neighborhood, religion, city government, and national government. My gosh! It sounds like we're talking about a modern progressive to me. <laughs> that description that David Brooks, a conservative columnist, is describing a traditional conservative sounds to me like a modern progressive. Wanting to preserve a society that functions as a harmonious ecosystem in which the different layers were nestled upon each other, the layers being individual, family, company, neighborhood, religion, city government, and national government. Isn't that what... I say regularly on this show, every one of these entities has its place in our society, its role, its excellence, its particular skill set. Is it really the case that it's all individual and there's no room for the government at whatever level? David Brooks says, in fact, these were conservatives at one time. And he says because they were conservative, they tended to believe that power should be devolved down to the lower levels of this chain. They believed that people should lead disciplined, orderly lives, but doubted that individuals have the ability to do this alone. 
unaided by social custom and by God. We'll leave the God alone. I happen to be an atheist, but that's fine. I make room for those who are believers. So, they were intensely interested in creating the sort of social, economic, and political order that would encourage people to work hard, finish school, and postpone childbearing until marriage. <clears throat> Recently, uh, a blogger named Rod Dreher linked to Kirk's essay, Ten Conservative Principles, and it gives a flavor of this brand of conservatism. Brooks says that the two conservative tendencies lived in tension, the economic conservative and the traditional conservative. But together they embodied a truth that was put into words by the child psychologist John Bowlby, that life is best organized as a series of daring ventures from a secure base. Interesting, huh? A series of daring adventures from a secure base. The economic conservatives were in charge of the daring ventures that produced economic growth, and the traditionalists were in charge of establishing the secure base, a society in which families are intact, self-discipline is the rule, children are secure, and government provides a subtle hand. Ronald Reagan says David Brooks embodied both sides of this fusion. But that effort was doomed because in the ensuing years, conservatism changed. And I don't want to take the rest of the show reading this article, but essentially what Brooks is describing is that the economic conservatism that we see dominate that party, the Republican Party, has crowded out traditional conservatism. And what we are witnessing is an unbalanced party, which is exactly Paul Krugman's point, isn't it? People are unbalanced. There's no room for a worker who just wants to work hard and work for someone else, but they're not starting their own business. Nothing against starting businesses. I'm a business owner. But I can't do it by myself. I have to hire people. I do hire people. I depend upon them. I respect them. They're oriented differently than I am. Fine. It takes both of us. I'm not superior. I'm not worthy of political patronage more than than they are and here we have david brooks a conservative saying the same thing that there was once this dialogue once this cornerstone of the of of conservatives traditional conservatism that made room as well for this type of balance and when i hear this type of balance not that i partake of it all myself I hear the modern progressive. And I think what we are seeing played out in this election right now are more and more people coming to the same conclusion. This is an unbalanced party. They're out of balance. They don't care about us. You know, I worked hard all my life. I'm part of this 47%. I'm a moocher. Where progressives stand up and say, hey, it takes everybody takes all of us. Some people come here as immigrants. They just want a job. Some people come as immigrants. They want to start a business. Some people have been here. They want to start a business. Some people want to be workers. Some people have other problems. Some people fall on hard times. Some people have disabilities. But we are all fundamentally part of life. And when we start to discriminate... You can do it, but does it make you worthy of holding the highest office in the land? That's the question. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take your calls. The phone number here, 713-526-5738-526-KPFT. David, Johnny, and Mike are holding. We've got some lines open if you want to get in. This is the new Capital Show. I am Leo Gold, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thing you say. But I ride home laughing, look 
Okay, let's get right to it. 713-526-5738. 526-KPFT. Let's take uh, David. David, welcome. Good afternoon, sir. Um, got two items for you. First, uh, an Android app that is a good radio app is TuneIn Radio, and they have all three KPFT frequencies on TuneIn Radio. There you go. There's so that's the answer. an Android app. Okay, David, and thank you. So those of you carrying Android phones, you know, uh, find us there. Tune in radio. Tune in radio. And I have a a, a little history lesson. Um, this was on NPR also um, recently. Um, back in the 1800s, uh, um, Mr. Romney's grandfather left the United States because uh, right around 1867 or so, um, Utah entered the... Um, the union and uh, uh, polygamy was was made illegal, and his grandfather left. It went to Mexico. Um, in the early nineteen hundreds, uh, during the Mexican, the most recent revolution, um, he was basically headed out of Mexico on a rail. When he came back to the United States, he didn't have anything, no money. And uh, Mitt Romney's grandfather, who had a young son who was Mitt's father, uh, was living on welfare for a time. And so my question to Mitt would be, is he one of the 47%, and how does that work? David, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you for you. the information. A uh, lot of information. I don't, you know, it's, a lot of that's new to me. Um Everybody, everybody has a history. Everybody has a story, and and it's not easy for most people in this world and in this life. Lots of difficulty and lots of suffering if you are a human being, and frankly, for many species that are not human beings, as we know, uh, it's getting increasingly difficult to coexist with human beings if you are uh, not of use to us. So there is a lot of suffering. And that is why great compassion is an attitude, a mindset that we should all strive to carry with us on a daily basis. Great compassion. And I think that as people have gotten a closer look at this election and and uh, ideologies and philosophies, people are starting to ask the question: Where does where does great compassion lie? Predominantly, mostly, where am I comfortable recognizing great compassion? Because it it is it is out of compassion that we move forward. All of us. It was out of compassion that Mitt Romney's ancestors moved forward and, and my ancestors. It was out of compassion. 
Uh, and when there is not compassion, uh, we, we get disastrous results. Next up is Johnny, our friend Johnny. Welcome, as always. Hey, Johnny. Or, uh, I mean, good afternoon, Leo. Yeah. I'm having this out-of-body experience. Maybe you could help me out. Oh, uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> to see if I can well, get you. I have to see if I can. So if I, I don't know. Can I, we'll see if I can reunite you with your body. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, you remember the actor Burgess Meredith? He, one of his famous yes. roles was playing the Penguin in the Batman TV series. Yes, I do. He also starred in an, an episode of The Twilight Zone that I recall where he played this bookish kind of a, he was like either a librarian or a, or a bookworm, and he emerges from the New York Library, the basement of the New York Library, following a nuclear holocaust, and he wears these thick Coke glasses, and uh, he accidentally breaks his glasses, and he's got all the time in the world to read books except he can't read anymore. And I thought about that surreal experience right when I heard you today come on the air and talk about Alec for the first time. And I thought to myself, whoa, it's bad enough I have to deal with Mitt Romney running for president and all his repo party pals. Now I'm hearing you talk about Alec as if it's brand new. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I recall writing down Alec, the word, on these DVD uh, um, sleeves when I was burning DVDs off of MSNBC because we've had discussions on KPFT right. about the American Legislative Exchange Council. So my question for you is, uh, are they planning to bring back ALEC in a different way, under a different name? Is that what's uh, Johnny, what I, I, referring to? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is a Moyers & Company production, and uh, it is a, an expose. A, 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 that's, that's what it is. It's an expose which... Uh, Democracy Now played 30 minutes of it, and and you know when all is said and done, and Bill Moyers uh, leaves the stage finally, I mean we are talking about a giant, 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 giant of of American journalism, maybe unmatched uh, by by anyone else, frankly in American history. Uh, Leo, uh, yeah, but but uh, but I don't have an answer for you on what's yeah oh, no, no not not me. I don't have an answer for you. You're, yeah, you're, you're, I don't think it's been shut down by any means. It's still going, and and uh, but but it's, it's. Hey, you want to hear something scary? Go ahead. I could almost swear on a stack of Bibles or Korans that you yourself on your show in 2011 discussed Alec. I, I don't think so. Sure, I have to go back and look. I don't. Up. I don't I think so. Some programs on my computer. Yeah, I don't think I did. I don't think I have, well, but but if uh, I come across it, I'll make a copy. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, we could we could we could make a big You're scaring me. We could make a big bet. We could put big money up on a bet, and I I would think that no, I'm no, gonna... I'm not going to bet you ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm not in that class of uh, folk. Johnny, hey, take uh, care. Change right the subject. Maybe Real quick, you could yep. this: What is a neoliberal? I've heard this several times for the past year, in not flattering terms, and I don't. I'm confused. I get different definitions from different people. I don't know. Tell me what your take on neoliberal. I have no. I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Any any you any of you, you neoliberals out there, uh, let us know what you are. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure uh, w uh, what it is. I'm a conservative, of course, right? I mean, that's what I am. So I don't know what a neoliberal. I just don't know what it is. Let's take Mike holding on line three. Mike, welcome to the New Capital Show. Thanks, Leo. You bet. You got a great show. Thank it's you. It's always organic, and when I. Uh, as soon as I dial uh, the line, you, you, you're, 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 uh, and get on in the queue, your your conversation flows. You started you. out talking about KPFT public media and messages, and I had a question regarding that and uh, privatization. <laughs> then you went into the uh, how you know the work ethic. <laughs> then I messed you up. <laughs> uh, and, well, I drifted on to that, and I had that. So I guess I'll just start with the original question. Go Something ahead. is going on mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, and I am going to contrast two points. The network television news in the evening, you know, the local network news. Uh, I heard something apparently that the, all of these stations, all of these guys are getting consolidated under one entity. And uh, uh, I don't know how much you know about that. Somebody might know more uh, than me, obviously. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to uh, hear if any uh, listeners would uh, shed some light on that. And also shedding light on this. 
Um, apparently, and this is a, and taking in consideration that this is an election year. Uh, and uh, I, my question is about PBS, Houston PBS, I guess, in particular. Uh, the format has changed, and there has been uh, uh, the nightly business report is replayed, I think, when Tavis Smiley used to be on at 10 o'clock on HD2. Okay, Mike, get to, get to, the, get to the question real quick here, and well, maybe they, you can ask it in a general show way. It's called uh -huh. Defense Weekly, these business shows. Yeah. And my question is, you know, of course, this is supposed to be public media, but they also get funding from private corporations. Mm -hmm. And uh, my question is leading into uh, certain private entities muscling in and influencing the political stent uh, of the station into a more okay. conservative privatization. Okay, Mike, thanks. Thanks for the call. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I I got to tell you all, I don't watch a lot of television. I got a five and a seven year old, and I we try to keep them off that thing because we we assume they're going to get plenty of it. We don't watch a lot of TV in our house, and frankly, we don't get very good reception either. We don't have cable, uh, and we've got this antenna that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. And my wife complains about it, uh, which I understand, but um, I I'm not too. I'm not too down about it, so I don't, I don't see it. I don't. Uh, I, I just we don't watch a lot of television. The everyone has to understand that the media landscape is changing so rapidly, and this affects us here at KPFT, and we've got to be aware of it because, you know, ten years from now, you all may not be listening to us. You may be listening to something different. It may be coming to you through different technology. You know, we have to be concerned about that here. Um, and we need to be concerned about that. The way people are getting information is changing very rapidly. And everybody, if you're in the media business, you've got to keep an eye on it. And you've got to take a look at it. Um, and, and so that is not a bad thing. It's very exciting. We're in a world of change. The world's always changing. But this is a neat, neat time. People are getting information off of phones. The, the truth, or as close to we can get to it, is there for you if you want it. You know, yeah. you know, you brought up supporting the station just on that one hour about Alec uh, alone, not to mention all the other great shows. So I was just going to pose the question, what about all the other people that have money that um, finance the media? You know, not the KPFT listener, but the investors that Romney is uh, speaking about. You know, the businessmen, the investors, the people, the the lobbyists. What are they using their capital uh, in media to do? And that's the television, in my opinion. I mean, most of the most of the yeah. commercials, the television well, right. shows, are geared towards you know. That's right. I mean, interest. That's right, uh, and and they can most directly affect it through the super PACs. That's happening through the ads. We don't see a lot of it here in. In Texas, because this state is basically uh, written off into the Republican column, there are other states that are written off into the Democrats' column, California, for example, or uh, New York, or Massachusetts, uh, maybe not so much Massachusetts. They have a close uh, senatorial race right now. But, uh, but that is how, you know, through these commercials. But, but things are changing very rapidly. We have a younger generation that doesn't care so much about network television. And and so things are very much in flux. It's very exciting. The world is changing. The country's changing, and uh, we're we're all part of it. We're happy to be here. We hope you continue to support us the way that we we need to be supported. I mean, what KPFT offers is unique. We offer you a chance to directly support this radio station. It doesn't go through advertising. You know, you don't you don't ha you don't you can't buy political ads to broadcast on our radio station. You pay your money and you get the product directly. So it's very, very unique. And you know, we we have our own media challenges. Uh, phones are filled up. Let's let's keep it moving right along. Let's take uh, Dave on line one. Dave, welcome. Dave, hey, you there? Yeah. Um, I just got a short story to show a little irony in um, Romney's forty-seven percent statement. Uh, you know, my son uh, works full time, goes to school full time. He works at Guitar Center. I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, why not? But, okay. But guess who he gets his checks from? Bain Capital. And he doesn't make enough in the last, been there five years and still 
doesn't make enough to pay tax. Does Bain own Guitar Center? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, that's where his checks come from. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. One of my oldest friends was the investment banker who took Guitar Center public. Mm. He worked for Goldman Sachs. And uh, so Guitar Center was a public company at one time. Right. You could have bought you could have bought the stock on the stock exchange. The ticker symbol was GTRC. And uh, Bain and Company came in and perfectly legal. They bought they bought up the shares of the company and they they apparently now and I didn't know that Bain owns it. Uh, but but that is one of the things about private equity is that people would be absolutely incredibly surprised at all the well known companies that are owned by private equity firms. Yeah, and, I mean, and, 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 and for him to make a statement like that just blows my mind. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, he, they basically, he basically worked yeah. for Romney. But people know? need to be clear about why these private equity empires have been built. They have been built on, and the, and the article to read on this is Matt Taibbi's article from uh, Rolling Stone from a few weeks ago talking about uh, Mitt Romney and private equity. And, and I've talked about it in great detail about what makes private equity go, and it is the treatment of debt. It is the tax deductibility of debt that makes the private equity business go, along with the long-term capital gains treatment of the carried interest incentive. So, so private equity has been empowered through the tax code, and then, and then yes, through the very, very intelligent work of somebody like Mitt Romney. But if you give people that much monetary incentive at Harvard Business School, you're going to get the nation's best and bright. I don't want to say best. You're going to get the nation's brightest and most ambitious money-oriented people who are going to go to harvard business school come out and they are going to ride that thing for all it's worth and that is exactly what has happened and we have concentrated ownership of assets in this country in the hands of, of private equity and to now one of them is running for president okay yeah. dave thanks for the call got to move along nick is next on line two nick welcome to the new capital show Hey, how's it going? It's good. What's up? I'm helping out with the uh, neoliberalism. I've participated in several conferences and other actions against neoliberalism, so I'm kind of familiar with it. What is it? Um, it refers to free to trade advocates, you know, so-called free trade. Of course, it's not really free in any real sense. Um, so NAFTA, Free Trade Area of the Americas, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership they're working on right now, free trade agreements with Central America, which were originally called CAFTA, and then replaced by unilateral agreements. Um, all of these things fall under the purview of being, being considered neoliberal policies. It's associated with the IMF and the World Bank. It's associated with types of lending that get uh, countries into massive debt from the IMF, and then they have to pay back with austerity measures, etc. These things are generally referred to as neoliberalism because they initially came okay. out of, you know, uh, Democrats, who many of whom later switched okay. and became neoconservatives. Right. Okay, Nick. Got it. All right. Peace. Thanks for the call. As always, we have the most informed, most intelligent listeners in the radio universe. Thanks to Nick for that. Uh, let's take um, let's take Scott on line four. Scott, thank you. You're welcome. Back in 1962, I was a young Republican, and I consider myself part of a new conservative movement. But uh, I was always more in, I I found economic conservatism more and. That was really my forte. I I really could not be a social conservative. I had already had my first gay experience when I did join the Democratic Party. Uh, one of the big attractions was for me was decriminalizing abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, so so you know, and I take your point, Scott. It's a good one, which is that for many people, this this kind of benign, uh, holistic. Uh, traditional conservatism that David Brooks is describing in this piece is not the is not copacetic and in accord with someone who is gay or someone who is uh, yeah. who believes in in uh, the right of a woman to have an abortion if she if she decides to do that um, and 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 I and I think it is a great great point that you're making you know David Brooks is describing this. This sunny and 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 wonderful, beautiful traditional conservatism, and maybe that thing never never existed for someone like you. I take your point. I think it's a great great criticism of Brooks's article. Nevertheless, I think that the I think the points that Brooks is making are worth considering and have some validity to them. Is that fair? Is that a fair statement? Maybe, but uh, 
I don't believe in government management of people's personal lives. I was very incensed when Republicans tried to impeach Clinton over a personal matter. Yeah. Scott, thanks for the call. Thank you. But but I think that, in a way, Brooks might argue, and I can't say this for sure, but I'm guessing that David Brooks might say, had traditional conservatism with the likes that he describes in this article, this holistic, thorough approach to conservatism that incorporates government and family and uh, local organizations, that if it had not been kind of cut off and left to rot in favor of economic conservatism that we all know about today because it's all they talk about, and, you know, I've got nothing against economics. This show's about economics. But had this more traditional conservatism not been cut off and left to rot, that it might have grown to be able to accommodate uh, rights for homosexuals, pro-choice approaches, environmental conservatism. And I think there are many conservatives and even Republicans who, who believe in these things. I know there are who have been crowded out of that party. And and that's that's why the observation that the party's been hijacked by a bunch of extremists is, I think, resonating in many places. And when you when you add on top of that some footage taken with a smartphone, you know these things with eight megapixels now can pick up audio from you know a hundred paces and 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 display it in high def. And that's what we've got with Mitt Romney and Boca Raton saying forty seven percent of the people in this country he can't care about. They don't care about their own lives. And they're not willing to take responsibility for themselves. It makes people say, huh? What? <laughs> I don't recognize this at all. We've got uh, just about 40 seconds left, and we're going to let Tag bring it on home. Hey, Tag. Yeah, I think the conservatives today, they've, kept, they've gotten off base what they see as valuable capital. It's all about what you value as your capital, and, and they value liquidity. And, and, you know, the way we think, we value the earth, we value human beings, and yeah. that's capital that we believe yeah, in. Yeah, that's right, and, Tag. And the conservatives are way off base with just focusing on the liquidity Thanks for the in call. their capital. So I'll let you go. Thanks. Thanks, Tag. Uh, uh, all capital is important. It's not just your capital. If you are a true capitalist, all capital is critical to be taken account of. That does it for another edition of the New Capital Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Up next is... The KPFT Local News at 5 o'clock, Democracy Now! I'll be back next week. And until then, take care. Celebrate fall with Green Mountain Energy Thursday Concerts at Discovery Green, co-sponsored by 90.1 KPFT-FM. The fall season features free concerts showcasing outstanding regional performers at Discovery Green on Thursdays in September and October. Discovery Green is Houston's number one spot to picnic on the grass, dance on the patio, and watch the sunset over this gorgeous downtown skyline. This week's concert features Best New Band winner in the 2012 Austin Music Awards and headline Wheeler Brothers. Matt Harlan kickstarts the party for a cool night at Discovery Green on Thursday, September 27th. Shows start at 6.30. Everyone is welcome. Most street parking is free starting at 6. Bring your picnics, blankets, and lawn chairs, but leave your glass containers and alcohol at home. Don't worry. Food, wine, and beer are also available at the Lake House Restaurant. For more details and the full concert lineup, visit discoverygreen.com. KBFD Houston. Yes, it's time again for the third annual Irish Airs Fundraiser and Picnic to be held at Dan Electro, 1031 East 24th Street, just off North Main inside the Loop. Fun begins at 1 p.m. featuring music by Constant Billy, The Dead Rabbits, Murder the Stout, and a performance by the Old Milady School of Irish Dance. But wait, there's more. A picnic lunch will be provided by our friends Irish Society with dogs, burgers, and all the fixings out on the spacious outdoor patio. So mark your daytimer for Sunday, September 30th, 1 to 6 p.m., Dan Electro, Irish Air Fundraiser and Picnic. We'll be saving you a seat. What is the price of popularity? 
The documentary, Sushi, The Global Catch, seeks to answer this question. This revealing film celebrates sushi while considering its environmental impact. The Austin-based filmmakers trace the historical origins of sushi in Japan to its current status as a lucrative worldwide industry. The explosion in demand for sushi has prompted concerns as fish stocks have steadily depleted, threatening the balance of the ocean's ecosystems. Extensive interviews with restaurateurs, including Uchi's Tyson Cole, fishermen and environmental activists outline solutions being proposed to address this increasing problem. Screening Saturdays, October 6th and 13th at 7 p.m. Director Mark Hall in attendance on October 6th. Information at 713-639-7515 or on the web at www.mfah.org forward slash film.